0: When you're green, you grow. When you're ripe, you rot. Many people I work with have been in the industry 5 or 10 or 15 or 20 years, Michael, but they don't necessarily have 5 or 10 or 15 or 20 years' experience. They've got one year's experience 5, 10 or 15 or 20 times over because we all have a tendency to get lazy, sloppy, get into a rut, and we quit growing. Right now, with the way the world is and as fast as it's changing, you need to be on top of your game. You can't be using the same language and the same style necessarily that even worked five or ten years ago or maybe even last year, or the competition's going to eat you for lunch. So constantly be striving to become the best you can become and make that commitment to become a master of your craft.
1: This is the beginning of part two of my interview with Stan Ballew. In the following five stories, you'll discover how Stan persuaded Pac Bell to make him a keynote speaker at their convention, launching a lucrative second career as a motivational speaker. You'll learn how he built value and benefits to convince a company to prepay for sales training. You'll learn how he sold $12,000 in product in 20 minutes by finding out exactly what a group of Mormon MLM distributors wanted and by giving it to them. You'll learn how he enticed an investment firm to expand three months of consulting and training to 18 months just by asking the right questions. You'll learn how he learned the secrets of profitable internet marketing simply by investing his time in mastering the craft. Stan shares selling tips, techniques, and secrets. In this interview, you'll learn how to hurdle the gatekeeper, make the screeners your ally, uncover and contact the decision maker, even when he's not in his office. You'll learn how to leverage the banker's question. You'll learn how to turn your prospect's sales into leads. You'll learn how to pick the brains of the experts for free, and much, much more. Stan's stories are memorable and his tips will empower you no matter what you sell. You can start using Stan's formula for becoming a master in selling simply by listening to his message. As Stan says, when you're green, you grow. When you're ripe, you rust. You just have to keep it up. Now let's get going. Had you been with American Salesmasters yet? Where did all that come within your training?
0: Right after I left Jerry Ross the last time, I actually worked for American Salesmasters for about a year and a half.
1: Before you started doing your own tapes and training yourself, right? Tell the listeners who
0: America Sales Masters was. Well, back then, they were producing these all-day seminars where they bring in people like J. Douglas Edwards, who was at that time the dean of American Sales Trainers, Fred Herman, the king of asking questions. By the way, I'll tell you a great Fred Herman story in a minute, Dr. Norman Vincent Peale. And they also saw the future, if you will. And what they were doing is they were filming all of these great speakers. And they had put together this library of 80 to 100, believe it or not, 16-millimeter films because it wasn't on video back then. And they would sell people or rent them. A series of like 12 films, you get to choose 12 different films over the next year to build a meeting around, about 30-minute film. And interestingly enough, that's when I learned one of the greatest techniques I've ever learned in selling, and that is establish criteria for a sale. Know what needs to be done to make a sale and both you and your prospect agree on it ahead of time. We would literally go out and knock door to door looking for companies that had any kind of a sales force and offer
1: to do a
0: free 30-minute meeting. In that 30-minute meeting, we would come in and show one of these films.
1: What was the pitch? I'm sure you remember it.
0: I'm with American Sales Masters. First, I do a lot of qualifying to find out if they had salespeople, what some of their challenges were. You know, American Sales Masters is a company that produces all of these great seminars, A lot of companies are finding that the cost is prohibited from sending their people to an all-day seminar, when in reality, you can have these same speakers right on film and use them whenever you want. You know, rather than eight speakers in a day, use a different speaker every week or whatever every month. And what we do is we offer to come in and do a 30-minute meeting, absolutely no charge or obligation on your part, and we will show one of these films. And all we ask is that you and any other decision makers be present from start to finish and number two, if you and your guys like what they see, that you'll sign up for our program. And here's the deal, and whatever it was, I think it was you rent twelve tapes for like eighteen hundred bucks or something. Then we would do a free dog and pony show and literally lug a sixteen millimeter canister of film, a projector, and our briefcase into these offices and set them up. And before the meeting, we'd also get them to agree to meet with us immediately before and after the meeting, the owners. So. We'd set up everything. I'd go in and say, Okay, now as we agreed, we're gonna meet for a few minutes. Here's the introduction, here's what I want you to say. And again, just to reconfirm, if you and your guys like what you see, that you you'll sign up for the program. Is that correct? Well one of the owners couldn't make it. All right, I'll be happy to reschedule. Well no way, you got all your stuff set up. Oh I know, but our agreement was that you and the owners would be present from start to finish. Well yeah, but my guys are ready for the meeting. Oh I know. But we don't do free shows.
1: And that's about setting the criteria?
0: That's establishing criteria to get them to agree, to be there start to finish, to get them to agree to meet with me before and after the seminar. Agree to make a decision, whether it's yes or no, you know, no maybes no, I want to think about it. You know, you're gonna see firsthand the quality of the material that we have and how you guys relate to it and respond to it. So there's really nothing to think about.
1: Okay, so if that other owner wasn't there, you'd take off.
0: Exactly. Or if they said, well, you know, I can't stay for the whole meeting. i got to run out. Well, then we'll be happy to reschedule. We just didn't give it away
1: for free. Okay, so you'd go in, and so if all the criteria was there, you'd do the presentation.
0: Yeah, and then I'd do it a little bit further. We'd say, okay, you've got 20 guys there. What would you say would be a majority? Well, I'd let them pick 60, 70, 80%, whatever. So out of 20 guys, we get at least 16 of them to hold their hand up saying they learned something and they'd like to see more. That would be good enough for you? We'd really nail them down to, you know, what is it going to take to write business before I leave today?
1: I'm curious what you did after the presentation was
0: over to close them on these meetings. It was as simple as they would say usually, boy, that was great, thank you very much, super, okay, here's our agreement, and I'll sit and help you pick the best speakers for
1: your company. You learned a lot of your techniques before you did your own audio tapes and your own training yourself.
0: Yeah, and before I actually got onto the phone and started selling for a living, because, again, I was on this quest of an hour a day. When I went to work for American Sales Masters, I had the option of being in charge of the library for all of our distributors in the southern United States, which meant that every time somebody had a meeting and used one of the films, they would send it back to me. I would check to make sure it didn't break that it was clean, and get it repackaged to send up. So literally, every night, I would be sitting in my little apartment watching four, five, six hours of the greatest speakers and trainers in the world.
1: Is this stuff still around anywhere?
0: To the best of my knowledge, I don't believe they're marketing it anymore, but you can probably still find some archives if you go on YouTube or some of those places.
1: Who were some of the guys that just blew you away? I can almost
0: go back and say, you know, by J. Douglas Edwards, the dean of uh, American Sales Trainers. In fact, he was Tommy Hopkins' mentor. asked Tommy sometime about J. Douglas. They were actually neighbors for a while. Tommy Hopkins uses my video training to teach his telemarketers how to sell tickets to Tommy Hopkins (laughs) seminars. Does he really? J. Douglas Edwards, I learned the power of intimidation almost to the degree where he was too strong for a lot of people. He basically, unfortunately, was a one-trick pony, if you will. He only had one style. He was not adaptable to different personalities. Basically, if you didn't like his style, that was tough. You'd go on to somebody else. And what was his
1: style? Intimidation?
0: Intimidation, total control, almost to the point where it just smacks. It's too cute, too strong. The 95% rule, 5% are leaders, 95% are followers. It might work with a majority of the 95, but the leaders, which, again, normally are the ones with the fairly deep pockets, they'll tell you to go blow it someplace they don't need it
1: all right who else really impacted you fred herman
0: the king of asking questions i told you i'd share a quick story with he was on merv griffin show when merv still had his tv talk show and merv introduced him said here's fred herman one of the greatest sales trainers in the world fred sell me something wow how'd you like to be under that kind of pressure couple of million people watching on tv right listen to what fred did with questions he said okay what would you like me to sell you First question, Merv looked around and he said, sell me this ashtray here. He had a beautiful ashtray on the desk for decoration. Fred said, okay. He said, why would you like that ashtray? Second question, Merv said, it's purple, it's gold, it matches a decor, it looks nice. Fred said, okay. He said, well, what would you give for an ashtray like that? Third question, Merv said, I don't know, 15 bucks. Fred said, okay, I'll let you have it. That's great. But he was the king of asking questions. Zig Ziglar, of course, was a hero. I learned storytelling from Zig. Some of it's hokey. Some of it's corny. But I love that southern accent. And believe it or not, a southern accent is the second best accent or dialect you can ever have on the phone. A true British accent is the best by far. It's mesmerizing to listen to someone that uses the English language properly. So I picked up how to tell stories and how to use a little humor and how to be a little hokey and corny sometimes. Just down-home folksy
1: with folks. Let's get into another one of your case studies or another one of your stories. Number six, getting Pac Bell to use you as a keynote speaker at their convention. Tell me about that. This was amazing because it actually opened up a whole new career for me.
0: I had been doing some training for about, I don't know, eight or ten Pac Bell offices out in California, getting rave reviews, getting rebooked. One day, a very distinguished African-American walked in just toward the end of one of my training sessions, and I could certainly tell he wasn't a telemarketer or even a manager. And at the end, he introduced himself as one of the executive VPs of Pac Bell. And he said, you know, you're doing a great job with our guys. He said, we're going to promote this big three-day convention down in San Francisco on telemarketing. We're going to have hundreds of vendors there. We're going to have booths. We're going to have speakers, and we're going to do breakout sessions every day where people can choose from like six different speakers to go to and learn everything they ever wanted to know about doing business over the phone. We'd like you to do a breakout session. And I said, fine, be happy to do that. Who are you using for your keynote? And he said, well, we're still negotiating with a couple people. Basically, in a nutshell, I told him I could take, and he was complimenting me, by the way, on all my funny stories and all the humor I used and how I was as much of a motivator as I was a sales trainer. So I kind of left that out of the beginning of the story. But I played off of that, and I said, you know, you would mentioned that I was motivating your people. Oh, yeah, you're getting rave reviews and everything else. I sold him on letting me do a 20-minute keynote address in the morning, each one of the three mornings, because I didn't want to be one of six speakers they were choosing from for a breakout session when I could talk to every one of the attendees in the morning for 20 minutes. Does that make any sense? Yeah. All right, so I'm getting a double whammy, if you will. I'm getting the motivational talk, the keynote speech in the morning, plus my breakout sessions. Well, interestingly enough, within a year, Michael, we had figured out that we had booked something like 86 additional speaking engagements from managers and owners that had seen me at this seminar doing a motivational talk, and they were booking me strictly as a motivational speaker. Some of them didn't even know I was a sales trainer. So that opened up a whole new career as a motivational speaker, so I had to quit put some product out there so I could have something to sell from the back of the room because I found myself talking to employees that didn't do any selling or customer service reps, in some cases, that didn't do any selling. So I had a whole new career
1: now blossoming as a motivational speaker. That 20-minute keynote, you knew that was a big opportunity. What did you do in that 20 minutes in front of all those people that really separate you from all these other speakers?
0: Well, basically, I'd ask him what was he looking for for a keynote and why he had not made a decision. Yet. and he told me basically exactly how he wanted that 20 minutes to go he wanted a lot of laughter he wanted a lot of humor he wanted some funny stories that made a point he wanted to talk about attitude and goal setting so basically i just gave him back exactly what he was asking for
1: that's what you do as a speaker you do what the boss wants basically
0: Exactly. I'm there to earn my paycheck and I don't have a set speech, if you will. It's segmented. So whether it's training or motivation or even consulting work that I do, I basically find out what they need. I don't try to assume ever that I know what they need.
1: What do you like doing? The motivational stuff or the telemarketing cold calling training better?
0: both, really, because honestly, it takes a mix, and I don't know if it's 50-50 or 60-40, Michael, but you can have the greatest attitude in the world and a lousy command of skills and never reach your full potential, or you can have a great command of skills and a lousy attitude and never reach your full potential, so it does take a mixture of both.
1: right. so what's the lesson with this story? Well,
0: basically, I was able to start a whole new second career as a motivational speaker because of the additional exposure. I saw an opportunity when he was describing what they were going to use, and I said, you know, I could be that motivational Speaker. I could be that keynote speaker.
1: You're listening to an exclusive interview found on Michael Sinoff's hardtofindseminars.com. Can you give our telemarketer listeners a couple tips on getting past a gatekeeper? A couple of things. I try to
0: get on a first name basis with the screener, if at all possible. I try to treat her as a real person and not just a machine. I show empathy sometimes where, you know, I say your boss probably gets a lot of these kind of calls, right? Yeah, all the time. I can assure you he'll thank you for putting this one through and here's why. And throw in a couple benefits. Sometimes a screener is just so good that you're not going to get through, so you might have to work around her. As an example, if I've got somebody like Count Dracula's wife on the phone as a screener, and she's just not going to let me through no matter what, I might simply say, by the way, what time you all go to lunch there? Well, 12 to 1, why? "I'm oh, just curious. All right, well, thank you for your time. Guess when I call back? Between 12 and 1, because she's at lunch, and whoever they picked out of the crowd to say, hey, sit here for the next hour, and if this thing blinks, answer it, is not nearly as proficient at blowing me off the phone as she was. Another technique is what we call the wrong department call. Depending on the product or service that you're selling and who you're calling, most companies have an accounting department or a sales department or a shipping department. So if I just call up and say, shipping, please, the odds are, unless there's a Mister or Mrs. or Miss Shipping working there, they're not going to put me through the third degree. My them is calling. Is he expecting a call? Why are you calling? How did you get our name? All the other stuff. They just put me right through the shipping. Shipping. Hi, who's this? Bob. Hey, Bob. Sorry to bother you. I was actually trying to get a hold of Mister Big. Can you transfer my call? Now, many times. <laughs> yes transfer you back through the operator. You're not saying anything. Or they could say, no, you got to call back. Okay, Bob, what was your last name? Bob Jones. Okay, Bob, so you're suggesting that I call back to ask for Mr. Big. Is that right? Okay, thank you. Now listen to this. Ring, ring, ring. ABC Company. Yeah. Ralph Peterson, please. May I tell him his calling? Yeah, Stan, I was just talking to Bob Smith down in shipping. He suggested I call. Is he available?
1: This beautiful.
0: Now, many times she'll say something like, oh, I don't know, he's away from his desk. Well, she may be on the ground floor. He may be up on the sixth floor. She really doesn't know where he's at. So many times we simply say, I understand, please put me through to somebody else in his department. Because, again, you can say in an accounting, yeah, I was looking for Bob Jones. I understand he's not at his desk right now. Yeah, I don't know where Bob is. Oh, here he comes. He was just in the restroom. Hold on. So i got a contact where I wouldn't have had one before. Another great one, and then we'll go to another subject, is when she says, I'm sorry he's not in his office right now, I understand. Please page him, I'll hold. I've had even company and corporate presidents tell me that this is the greatest single thing they've ever learned from me as far as being able to reach more people in less time, is simply say, please page him on hold, or if that's too strong for you, I understand. Is there any way you could page him or locate him for me?
1: Just tell him what to do.
0: Yeah, invariably you'll hear something like, all right, hold on. You're not going to hear, no, I'm sorry, he's not in his office right now, Stan, but if you'll allow me to place you on hold, I'll be happy to page him for you and try to get the two of you together because that's my job and I love my job. No, they're not going to work that hard. You have to tell them what to do.
1: That's great. What about voicemail? I mean, today it's almost sometimes impossible to get people to pick up the phone. They're screening their calls. They're using voicemail. They're using email. What do you recommend professional salespeople or salespeople out there telemarketing who are hitting up lots of voicemails? Do you recommend they leave a message or just try and call back and get someone live?
0: Well, we try not to leave messages because you want to be different than everybody else. Nobody else is leaving a stupid message, so what we recommend is usually hit zero because in many cases, you'll at least be connected to a live operator, and you can say, Hi, I was trying to get a hold of Michael, and I got his voicemail. Does he happen to be there live and in person? And many times, I can get connected by doing that. Okay, another thing is, if I try to find, like, say, the best time to call, and they say, I don't know, he's always busy. Well, I know, but would you recommend morning or afternoon? Well, I don't know, his schedule is always crazy. Okay, who do we need to talk to? He sets his own schedule. I can't help you. Listen to this. Is there a particular time of the day or week that I shouldn't try to call? Well, yeah, don't call from 8.30 to 9 in the morning. She just told me I can reach him at 8.25
1: or five minutes after 9, almost any day. Some of the old-timers from America sales masters, was there anyone doing telemarketing at that time? Anyone who positioned themselves as an expert for selling over the phone? Absolutely none.
0: Everything that I learned, again, I learned a little bit from Tom Norman. I learned a little bit from Mona Ling. I think Tom Norman had a little cassette tape series out. Mona Ling had a book out. I did call him up, introduce myself, brain-pick the bejesus out of them. But let me tell you the greatest way I learned how to sell. And this is one of the secrets that I teach Megabuck producers. Every year for the five years that I made my living selling on the phone, I got a free education from one of the top salespeople in the country, and here's how I did it. Let's say I was selling investments. I would look in the Wall Street Journal, Money Magazine, Barron's, whatever, looking for any company that sold any kind of investment. If they were dumb enough, to run a toll-free number, which most of them did, I would call up, pretend I was a prospect. ABC Company, hi, I saw you had in the Wall Street Journal. I don't have an account with you all, but I'd like to talk to one of your brokers. And by the way, we could be talking some serious dollars here, so I don't want to talk to a rookie or trainee. I want to
1: talk to the best broker you got. So you'd get the best guy on the phone to sell you.
0: Exactly. I don't know if best meant fifty grand a year or five hundred grand a year. For the next 20 minutes, I got a free sales training seminar. I got to hear how he introduced himself, how he qualified me, his wording, his phrasing, his terminology, his attitude, his tone of voice. Eventually, then I asked my company to allow me to put in a separate phone line that I paid for so I could have them mail me out the information and call me back. I wanted to even hear the rest of the story. I wanted to hear the rest of the presentation. Toward the end, I'd always say, well, you know, Michael, this sounds pretty good, but i got to talk it over with my wife.
1: <laughs> yeah, you'd get them to
0: write the script book. Yeah, could you repeat that last line again a little slower? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I got them to write my script book. I became a mimic. A couple of wise people taught me that you don't have to go reinvent the wheel. If you want to be successful, just go find somebody else that's already doing what you want to do and that's already become what you want to become and
1: mimic them. Tony says success leaves clues. Duh. It's not that difficult. Who's the guy who took your course and became like the all-time greatest salesperson in several of his industries?
0: And I'll be happy to give Mike a plug. His site is called Think Right Now International. I highly recommend him. It's the most visited self-improvement site on the web today. But, yeah, Mike was kind enough to send me that testimonial that says, Hi, Stan, Mike Brescia here. I know your work from the 80s when I first started in phone sales. High-ticket investments. I sucked at it. After that, I couldn't even close someone on buying a Christmas wreath over the phone, even though it would support their local fire department. But I listened to your tapes and thought that there could be no one alive who could turn a prospect around like you or could teach it like you do. You are like a machine when it comes to saying what needs to be said, when it must be said, and in the way it must be said. Your tapes are real hands-on stuff like no others I've heard before. So I worked at the skills and literally played those tapes until they wouldn't play anymore and became the highest paid salesman in the world in a few different industries. So a real thanks, Dan.
1: Why don't you tell me another success story, Stan?
0: Well, I had a company. This is still when I was a speaker or trainer. They had 12 offices. They loved what I was doing. I was doing basically a a half-a-day seminar in each of their offices and they kept saying, you know, we'd like to have you back. It was like twice a year and then it was three times a year then it was finally four times a year they were having me back in each of the offices and again, that was like 48 dates a year. In hindsight, a lot of people didn't believe I could do as many as 22 engagements a month. Well, the reason I was able to do that is I went for multiple clients. This is another little tip that I'll share with your listeners if you have any speakers or aspiring speakers. One of the things I decided early on was to go after clients with multiple offices. Why go and try to sell one client one date when I could sell a client 12 dates or 30 dates or 50 dates. Duh, just made a lot of sense. So anyhow, the reason I called that one of my biggest sales is because they kept wanting me back and the last time they asked me to like come four times a year, I said, okay, but you're going to prepay me a quarter at a time and let me set the dates. They'll all be roughly three months apart. It might be not quite three months or maybe a week or two later, but I need to be able to set the date because I'm getting so many other dates. Like somebody wants me to come in and speak at a convention in San Francisco. Well, I can do your La Jolla office, your LA office, and your whatever San Bernardino office the day or two before, the day or two after, but I need to be able to support my big money dates. I was implying that they weren't paying me big money. So that's how I got them to prepay me a quarter at a time, which was 12 offices at about 2500 each. So, you know, that was a nice little paycheck every quarter, like clockwork. And I got to literally call them about a week ahead of time sometimes and say, okay, I'll be doing your La Jolla office next Tuesday.
1: What percentage would you say over those 20 years was your speaking on, if you broke it down to motivation to telephone selling or selling skills in general?
0: Hmm, interesting. First couple of years, of course, it was all telemarketing. Marketing, and then after I did the Pac Bell convention, it became almost 50 50, half motivation, half sales training, if you will. And that basically then opened up a third career for me as a consultant hadn't planned on necessarily talking about that, but I had a lot of clients. Well, one in particular happened to say one time, you know, we love what you've done with our sales department, and you did some attitude and motivation for our customer service people, and, you know, you had suggested we get everybody together for a working lunch and brought pizza in, so we had all of our employees in the motivational talk, and, man, everybody is sky high. You've been in a lot of companies, right? Oh, yeah, hundreds and hundreds. Well, you've seen what works and doesn't work, right? Well, of course. Well, could we pay you like maybe to come in like for a full day and we'll give you complete access to every department, every manager, and let you ask them any question you want? We know we're doing like 90%, 95% of what we're doing right, but can you maybe help us with that other 5 or 10%? And that opened up a whole new career as a consultant.
1: What would you charge that?
0: Many times I would negotiate a small percentage out of their increased business or a small percentage out of the additional overhead I could cut and save them money. So a lot of times I didn't get as much money up front, but I kept getting residual checks for two, three, four, five years. I've got one client. Fifteen years later, I still get a little quarterly check from them.
1: Let's say for your telemarketing training, did you favor certain types of businesses to sell that training to? Who responded most to that?
0: I'm quick to listen and learn. And again, when I was sitting with a manager after a seminar one day, and I said, you know, again, without getting any of your direct competition, you know, some other managers, da da da. He said, oh yeah, I know Larry. He's got six offices. Well. To ching the bells just went off. Why am I out here trying to sell one office, one training date? There's got to be other locations out there with six or more offices. So that's what I went for, is early in my career, I just went after the people that had multiple locations. Every time I was talking to somebody, how many other locations do you have? Who do I need to be talking to? Interestingly enough, I mentioned I had five people on the phone selling my tapes, remember, out of my garage? Yes. One of the things they would ask everybody, whether they bought the tapes or not, is, by the way, does your company or organization, association, whoever, ever use any outside speakers or trainers? Well, yeah. Who do we need to talk to? Now, they didn't follow up on it. I had a separate person that just followed up, but they would give me that lead. ABC Company, Joe Blow, Books there speakers, whatever. And I had the name of the person that referred us, which helped me get through the secretary.
1: So they would give you the person who books their other speaking engagements, but not the actual speaker. This
0: is when my people were cold
1: calling the manager to sell them a set of tapes. So they would say,
0: by the way, before we part friends, does your company ever use any outside speakers or trainers? Great. Who do we need to talk to? Now, simply by having them ask that question and filling out a little slip, I paid them believe it or not, 20% of the engagement. So some of them were making a ton of money, almost more than they were selling my tapes,
1: simply by getting referral fees from me. I took care of my people. For more exclusive interviews on business, marketing, advertising, and copywriting, go to Michael Senoff's hardtofindseminars.com. Tell me, what's the lesson for number seven, getting the company with 12 offices to prepay?
0: Again, I just built value. I did a little bit of a takeaway in the fact that you know I was actually kind of doing them a favor by working as cheap as I was, and that by paying me up front and prepaying me and allowing me to set the dates, they would get the very best that I could offer them.
1: Okay, number eight, you sold a $12,000 product in a 20-minute talk.
0: Yeah, $12,000 of product in a 20-minute talk, an MLM company called me and said, we're going to do a convention on a cruise ship. Well I love cruising and so I negotiated first class suite for my wife at the time and her grandmother actually, we brought her along, so I had an adjoining bedroom. They paid my fee and a four day cruise and all I was supposed to do is talk twenty minutes to do the keynote to start the convention. Well he told me he really warned me ahead of time, he says, I gotta tell you, he said about eighty percent of our distributors are Mormons and he said they're a very unusual bunch. So here's basically what you can't say, what you can say, and I did probably two hours with him just on what their personalities were, why they were in it, which a lot of them weren't in it for the money. They were really in it to just help other people with their health, what I could talk about and not talk about as far as income and goal setting. and I mean, you talk about when somebody says, you know, my business is really different. Well, 99% of the time you say, yeah, right, and it ends up being the same. Well, this one was different. I got on the Internet and researched Mormons. I actually found a couple of Mormons that lived in the area and went out and spent some time with them and learned all about why they don't use electricity and everything else. And he admitted that it was even a stretch for them to have this convention at a cruise because they were going to be exposed to so many things that they normally don't have as part of their normal lifestyle. So anyhow, the bottom line is I just did phenomenal amount of research to make sure I didn't say something wrong in 20 minutes. And I was an absolute hit. My wife was at one exit, I was at the other. And three hours after my 20-minute talk, three hours later, we were still taking credit card orders and I was signing autographs. We went back to import everything, all the credit card slips and the checks and the cash on the bed, And it turned out to be over $12,000 in product sales just off of a 20-minute talk to about 260 people.
1: All right, number nine, selling a company to use me for three months of consulting and training and expanding that to 18 months. Tell me about that.
0: Well, I was retired, basically. I had a company that had a sales manager. We've known each other for 20, 25 years. He's used me, I think, in every company he's ever worked for. He always has me come in and do what we call a dog and pony show. And they had me fly up and do four hours of training. Well, the response was so great, and what I mean by that is immediate increase in sales, like starting the next day, that he said, can you come back and do three full days, not necessarily of training, just do a little training every day with everybody, but what we'll do is we'll actually record their phone calls and let you sit down there and critique the phone call where they can actually hear both sides of the conversation and then you can tell them what they could have done differently or maybe how they could have handled the situation any better. He said also, he said, a lot of them are stuck in a rut. So he said, I want you to do that banker question that you do, which is basically something like, depending on how deep their pockets are, it could be 50000 or it could be 500000 And I also use this with prospects. When I ask them what's the most important thing they want to accomplish with their investment dollars over the next couple of years, and they say, we'll make a lot of money. Well, that's not the answer I want. So I'd say, you know, Michael, let's imagine for a moment that you're. Banker called you tomorrow morning and said that some anonymous donor had just put fifty thousand dollars in your account and it's all yours tax free. But 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 there are a couple of catches. First of all, you can't invest it or save it. You have to spend it. And number two, you have to spend the whole fifty grand by five o'clock tomorrow or you lose the whole fifty grand. Now, Michael, I want you to close your eyes for a moment. And imagine you get $50,000 tax free. All your bills are paid. All your obligations are met. You got $50,000. You got to spend it by 5 o'clock. What's the one thing you've always wanted to do for yourself or your family? Out comes the boat, the cabin in the woods, yeah. the vacation for his grandkids, or whatever. Now, that's why he would consider sending $50,000 to somebody he doesn't know, he's never met, to buy something he doesn't know a whole lot about. Okay, there's no common sense logic or rationale to that. That's pure emotion. You got to find the hot button. So I would sit down with these individual salespeople and use the banker question and get them to set goals, whether it's a particular fancy car or getting a double-wide instead of a single-wide trailer or you're putting some wheels on the pickup that's been sitting in the front yard for you. I don't know what it is. You know, a travel, vacation around the world, whatever. I'd get them to set some goals because if you have a goal, that gives you a purpose to come in and bust your butt. If you don't have a reason to come in and bust your butt, you'll do just enough to get by and complain that your leads suck or your manager's unfair or the economy's bad. So anyhow, I did four days. Well, the response to that was incredible. So they said, we'd love to have you here. We can't have you full time. What do we need to do? Well, basically, I sold them on four days a week. I told them I only work four days. I played for three. That's when I recharged my batteries. So I agreed to fly up there Sunday night, work for them for four days, fly back Thursday night, and have my three-day vacation, of course, which also meant I could still do a couple other dates. Well, the longer I was there, the more areas that either I found or they found that they needed help in, whether it was marketing, advertising, whether it was customer service, whether it was fulfillment, whether it was accounting, you name it. And bottom line is, as you mentioned, I turned a four-hour training engagement into an 18-month consulting arrangement and made probably more in that 18 months than I had made in the previous eight
1: years. What kind of company was that for? In
0: the investment arena, which again is one of my specialty fields. I do a lot of work in other areas, but quite frankly, I love go into a room with guys that are making six and even seven figures a year that have just been yanked off the phone for four hours. They're sitting there with their arms folded saying, okay, champ, you better be good because you're costing me a fortune to sit here and listen to you for the next four hours.
1: You like those guys?
0: Oh, I love them. I eat them for lunch. I love it because I love to take somebody that's already great and make them into a superstar. If they're already a superstar, turn them into a buck, income producer they say an old dog doesn't necessarily learn new tricks i've got to tell you old dogs appreciate a new trick
1: once in a while all right so give me the lesson for that last case study and we'll move on to the last one
0: well i just constantly found out what they needed and i gave it to them the minute i got an owner complaining about something i'd say great if you could wave a magic wand and improve two or three areas that would dramatically impact your bottom line like overnight what would they be and then just a matter of finding out what they've done in the past to try to correct that challenge. Many times it's so simple, Michael, going into a shipping department. Hi, you're doing some consulting work. I'm curious, what do you use for shipping? UPS. Okay. How long have you used them? Forever. Okay. Have you grown over the last couple of years? Yeah. When's the last time you brought the UPS rep in and tried to negotiate a lower rate? Never. When's the last time you sat down with Airborne DHL, you know, even the Postal Service, to compare rates? Never.
1: Yeah, it's that easy. You just ask questions. Yeah,
0: and then it's, again, Fred Herman asking questions. Somebody asked Fred Herman once, why do you always answer questions with a question? And he said, why shouldn't I?
1: So with Fred Herman, that was his thing. His was asking questions. That was his, like, USP for his sales stick.
0: I'm going to share another little insight with you. I've never told anybody, but at the time I was on this quest, again, the spaced repetition learning. I'm lazy, never finished high school, hate to study, but I thought this is manna from heaven. I can listen to a spoken word 16 to 21 times and absorb 95% of it. I mean, I had stuff flowing out of my mouth that would make the hair on the back of my neck stand up, and I'd say, whoa, man, that was good. I don't remember staying up last night and memorizing it, drilling and rehearsing it 16 to 21 times. I didn't have to. I pumped it into my ears, it came out out of my mouth and it still works to this day but what I was going to share with you is that my wife at the time and my son who was living with me sat me down and said you're driving us nuts I said what's the matter you're making money we appreciate the nice dinners and all the other things that you're able to provide for us but you know we know who the heck you're listening to every week and I said what do you mean well like three weeks ago we knew you were listening to J. Douglas Edwards because you were intimidating the hell out
1: of
0: yeah we knew you were listening to Zig Ziglar because you were telling all these goofy funny stories and half of them weren't even funny. This week you're listening to Fred Herman because you're driving us nuts with questions. (laughs) Yeah, But just take the best from each one of these, mix them into your personality, and be the best you that you can be. What a great lesson that was.
1: That's great. Okay, let's do one more story I'm going to let you go because I've taken up way too much of your time.
0: It's been my pleasure and if one person or a hundred or a thousand or ten thousand listened to this tape or this recording or two or three parts as long as it ends up being. If it helps them create a better lifestyle, if it helps them become a better person, then our investment today has been well worth it. The last point I want to share with you is, six months ago I officially retired and said, okay, I'm not doing any more training dates, I don't care what. I've developed claustrophobia. I don't like to get on airplanes. I've got a couple books I need to write. I moved over to the ocean. I'm right on the ocean north of Daytona Beach. I'm looking out right now at the ocean. It's beautiful. It's relaxing. And I took my formula. Remember that one hour a day, five days a week for five years, become a world expert? Yeah. And I proved it worked. So I said, okay, what if I do five hours a day for one year? I could become a world expert in one year. So about six months ago, and I'm still not there yet, but I literally invest at least five hours a day. I subscribe to, I believe it's like almost 300 newsletters and e-signs that are anywhere from daily tips to weekly or monthly seminars or whatever. There's all kinds of free teleseminars where basically they have a seminar to sell you on buying their course, but the teleseminar is free just in hopes that you're going to sign up. Then there are sites like yours, which are incredible because, and again, I don't know if you're just rich and doing this to be nice or what, but the amount of time that you invested to gather literally the best speakers, trainers, consultants, you name it, in the world and get them to commit either their thoughts or their skills to audio or digging up some of the great talks of all time that you've been able to dig up and post on your site. It's incredible, and I'm a sponge. I listen to all these. I watch speakers. Uh, I listen to the voiceovers on infomercials and two-minute long-form commercials. I watch evangelists. I watch trial attorneys. Oh, let me give you a good example. Who's
1: your favorite trial attorney for hardcore selling? The ones that
0: I quote often, whether you like him or not, and he passed on a year or so ago, and whether you like what he did or not. Johnny uh, Cochran? Yeah. Oh, that's a classic. What I teach there is less can be better. Now, Cochran could have done a two-hour summary closing statement. He was able in seven words to get that man off. If it doesn't fit, you must acquit. Think you dream that up on the way over to the courthouse that morning? No. That was practiced, drilled, rehearsed. That was written by some of the greatest copywriting minds in the world. That was videotaped over and over to get his facial expressions, his hand movements, his body language. That was down to an absolute science. So, I mean, I
1: learn from everyone. Yeah, I bet YouTube's got that whole thing up there. Do they? I'm just thinking, because I'd love to see it again. I'm just thinking YouTube. I'm sure the closing statement by Johnny Cochran has got to be up on YouTube.
0: Well, you can certainly learn from it. Again, I watch some of the greatest evangelists in the world, because they've got to be making one of the greatest sales in the world. Who do you think is really
1: good evangelist-wise?
0: Oh, gosh, there's so many. There's a couple of African-Americans out there. There's a lady out there. I'd have to even look on my list to start naming names, and I'm afraid I would leave somebody off.
1: Did you see the recording with Glenn Turner on my site? No,
0: but that's another whole part of my life i will watch that guys and gals if you don't know glenn he could motivate with the best of them
1: couldn't he yeah well i've got it's called take back your mind i think it's on the first page at hardtofindseminars.com and i took his challenge to america speech which was about 40 50 minutes and i edited it down to about 20 minutes i've got a nine minute clip of it and it's incredibly powerful i got to go watch that. It's just audio, but it's powerful.
0: Do you know the Rice Twins at all, Greg and John Rice? Yeah, the Little Midgets. Yeah, they were some of the highest-paid motivational speakers in the world. Yeah,
1: I have another full interview with Glenn from a couple years ago, and he told me that those were two of his stars.
0: Yeah, and interestingly enough, he originally hired them as bodyguards. Now, this was kind of a joke because they would stand on stage, these little guys with their hands in their jacket like they had a gun, and he introduced them as their bodyguards. They used to listen to him do his motivational talks and finally one night they said, you know, why don't we open for you and warm the crowd up? And that's how they end up being two of the greatest motivational speakers in the world. Interestingly enough, on my DVD motivational series, I'm introduced by John and Greg Rice. When I was just starting my career as a speaker, I was at the National Speakers Convention. I met John and Greg. For some reason, we just really hit it off. They were from West Palm. I was in Orlando. I happened to mention I was going to shoot this three 30 minute motivational talks and package it. And, you know, I would just give anything to pay them enough. You know, how much do I have to save to pay you to come up and and introduce me. And they were booked like at 10000 15000 a night, booked two or three years in advance. Listen to this. They said, oh, just let us know when we we'll work it into our schedule. I said, well, how much? Oh, nothing. We'll just come up and do it for free. I said, well, okay, I'll book you first-class airfare. No, no, we'll pay our own airfare. They flew up to Orlando to introduce me on these three 30-minute seminars at absolutely no cost. And all I did was plug their company, Think Big Incorporated, at the end of the videos.
1: Are they still alive?
0: Well, John passed away a couple of years ago, unfortunately, Mm -hmm. off a curb, broke his leg, They rushed him into the hospital, and in the process of putting him under anesthesia to fix his leg, he passed away.
1: Uh, I didn't know they were motivational speakers. Were they just incredible speakers? Oh, they were absolutely incredible.
0: Of course, they got involved in the pest control business and made a whole bunch of commercials on pest control that are funny as all. Get out. They were hugely successful in the real estate business. They owned a bank. They owned the world's largest poinsettia farm. Oh, yeah, they're tremendous
1: entrepreneurs. Wow. Incidentally, when I just did the interview with Ben Gay III, I brought up Glenn Turner because Ben Gay eventually became the president of Holiday Magic. And Holiday Magic was the multi-level that Glenn Turner was involved with and doing really well with before he started Coscott.
0: Isn't that wild? It's a small world, isn't it? It is a small world, yeah. It was a great story. I used to have on my license plate for about 10 years, by the way, Closer.
1: All right, so we've got to get to your 10th story.
0: Be willing to invest some time to become a master of your craft. I don't want to be a webmaster. I don't want to know everything there is to know, but I did know that I wanted to be able to sit here and sell a lot more of my products and services on the Internet. So I've been learning meta tags. I've been learning linking and blogging and free articles and submitting free videos and all of this other stuff to the point where I can tell you in the last six months, I used to sell my products in 30 countries. I'm now up to 45 countries. My product sales have tripled in the last six months, even though this supposedly, I guess, somebody said the economy. I mean, it's bad or something right now. I don't even have the news on. Somebody said to drop 400 a week or two ago, and then somebody else said to drop 700
1: Well Yeah, I was listening to you the interview with Eric, and you were talking about how you didn't even know you went out to dinner and some guy told you about the stock market. So that's interesting. That's funny. Oh, yeah, the Internet, I'm sure you realize what a powerful delivery system it is for delivering your expertise and delivering product and sales. It is amazing.
0: And, again, depending on the product or service that your listeners market, there are some legalities there to be aware of, certainly. But in most cases, if you're not on the Internet in a big way, and, again, social, interneting, blogging, newsletters, employee of the month, if you have a company, put them on there, have some videos, make it easy. Easy for your customers to navigate your site. Make it easy for them to find you and your products. Work on your Google rankings and all of that so they can find you. Not necessarily first, but at least find you among the most referred so that you got a fair shot for making your presentation to people. Have some humor, have some pictures, use the right colors, proofread your stuff. There's just so many little things. From what I've been able to determine the six months, five hours a day or more, there's not one thing you can do. It's a whole bunch of little things. Again, much like selling, when we first started talking today, I mentioned that not one skill or technique or one strategy is going to work with every prospect or client. I just encourage your listeners, become a master of your craft by at least committing to learn one new thing a day that makes you a little bit better than you were yesterday. My little game I play with myself, and I don't care what time of the night it is, when I finally lay my head down, if I cannot identify at least one skill or technique or choice of words that I added to my repertoire, to my arsenal today... I will literally get back up and surf the Internet or flip on the TV and do some channel surfing. If nothing else, I'll blindly open up the dictionary and point to any word and add that word to my vocabulary. When you're green, you grow. When you're ripe, you rot. Many people I work with have been in the industry 5 or 10 or 15 or 20 years, Michael, but they don't necessarily have 5 or 10 or 15 or 20 years' experience. They've got one year's experience Five, ten, 10, or 15, or 20 times over because we all have a tendency to get lazy, sloppy, get into a rut, and we quit growing. Right now, with the way the world is and as fast as it's changing, you need to be on top of your game. You can't be using the same language and the same style necessarily that even worked 5 or 10 years ago or maybe even last year, or the competition's going to eat you for lunch. So constantly be striving to become the best you can become and make that commitment to become a master of your craft.
1: Well stated. Give the URL of your website one more time and I encourage anyone to get anything from your site. I mean, I think just by the last couple hours of our interview here, it's evident that you know what you're talking about.
0: Michael, thank you again. Your class
1: acting has been a joy to work with you. The
0: website again is com. It's all one word, S-T-A-N. B-I-L-L-U-E, and again, as Michael said, I've got a ton of free stuff on there. The bottom line is the amount of money I'm going to make off a couple sets of CDs or DVDs, trust me, folks, is not going to alter my lifestyle, but the content there will dramatically change yours.
1: I hope you've enjoyed this two-part interview with Stan Ballew. For more information, go to stanballew.com, S-T-A-N-B-I-L-L-U-E.com. For more interviews like this, go to hardtofindseminars.com.